Cats, Good Kittens, you diesel-powered disciples of cool. This is Big Daddy Cool's Tales from the Flipside on the Diesel Punk podcast, the voice of Diesel Punk, and I am your host, the artist also known as Big Daddy Cool. You can call me Johnny, and we are swinging solid from the Houdini room at the Casa de Cool, and I am coming to you live tonight courtesy of our sponsor, Comic Bento. Get a box of graphic novels in your mailbox every month. $50 or more worth of graphic novels for less than 25 bucks. Check them out at www.mycomicbento.com. That's mycomicbento.com. Well, we're going to dive right into it and I am going to share with you guys my thoughts and feelings about the new movie, Wonder Woman. I was privileged to see the sneak preview for the media last night, and um, I, uh, I was super excited going in. I was really optimistic about this movie. The last couple of DC movie universe movies... Um, have have kind of fallen flat for me. Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad, all were mediocre at best. But I was hopeful about Wonder Woman because although I felt like the character served no purpose in Batman versus Superman, and we can d- debate that, I did think she was the best part of that movie. So uh, I was excited about seeing more of her, but more importantly, I was excited because this was a movie that looked to be 100% diesel punk. And we even launched a, a uh, change.org campaign, a petition to try to get Warner Brothers to use the official label of diesel punk for this movie and to call it diesel punk it uh, is something we all wanted and and felt like the genre really needed a big budget blockbuster movie to actually use the term i will say from a an aesthetic standpoint that this movie did not disappoint it is truly diesel punk in every sense of our definition so what what does it need to be diesel punk it needs to be contemporary in origin. That means that it's been created since the end of the historical diesel era after 1945. And this certainly qualifies. It was made in 2016, 2017. It's contemporary. It's got to have the aesthetics, the feeling, the, the, the sensibilities of the diesel era. And... Um, what we call decadence, and this movie certainly had that. It's set in World War One, and the costumes, the vehicles, the weapons, everything about this world was, it was just tack perfect. Uh, it was diesel punk all the way, and I got to tell you, after seeing Chris Pine as, uh, I, I believe it's Captain Steve Trevor in this movie. Uh, but seeing him in his kind of uh, mission outfit, 
I gotta have this this jacket. I've got the I've got the newsboy cap, but uh, you know, kind of along the same lines. He had a very similar look to uh, the Apache in uh, Inglorious Bastards, Brad Pitt's character. Anyway, uh, great visual uh, effects or visual uh, aesthetics, certainly Diesel. And then the third element is that it's got to have science fiction or fantasy. Um, and I say say that because science fiction and fantasy falls into that, you know, that disrespectable or that, that uh, you know, kind of... Um, I don't want to say disrespect, but that's the word that Larry Amyet used on one of the recent episodes of the Diesel Punk podcast. You know, something that is not highly regarded, and that that certainly describes science fiction and fantasy and alt history. This had all three. It had science fiction, it had fantasy, it had alternative history. And uh, from those standpoints, it was it was great. Uh, the score was good. Um, costumes, phenomenal. It is a diesel punk movie, without a doubt. And and it was good. It, it was a really good movie. It was certainly the best of the DC movies. And it really did make up for the failures of the previous three. However, it just wasn't outstanding. It was really good. It just wasn't great. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Um, and and this is the spoiler alert section. So if you're listening and you don't want this you don't want this movie to be spoiled, turn this off until you go see it, come back and listen later on and see if you agree with my assessment. So the first problem that this movie had for me was that I had a hard time buying Gal Gadot as this badass, ultimate Amazon warrior princess. She looked beautiful, and they certainly used the right visual effects to give her the appearance of the warrior skills, but there was just something about her as an actress that I never felt like I got the gravitas of the Amazon warrior. I just felt Gal Gadot was too, too much of a lightweight. And I don't mean that from, you know, a physical standpoint because physically, you know, they, they made it work. I'm just talking about her as an actress just did not have the gravitas, the the dramatic chops to make me feel and to make me believe that she was Diana, Princess of Themyscira. And so that was a problem. I, I never was fully immersed into her character. Now, on the opposite side, Chris Pine as Steve Trevor was fantastic. He, um, I, you know, I, I was ready to follow him in the combat from word go. And uh, there were some other Amazon characters that I really connected with. And, you know, Hippolyta, 
She was fantastic. She looked great. Um, and, and she was believable as the queen of the Amazons. And, and many of the other Amazons were, were great. Uh, but Gal Gadot just mm, didn't quite make it for me. Now, that opinion may change when I see it again on Friday or when it comes out on home video or, or even when I see her in the Justice League movie. But as I feel right now, she was maybe miscast, which is a shame. Um, but we'll see. And I'd like to hear your thoughts about that. The other problem I had with this movie is that the Amazons, who are this superior warrior race of women created by Zeus, should have been more sturdy. Spoiler alert, there's a scene where the Germans discover Paradise Island. They come onto the beachhead. The Amazons rush down to the beach to defend their turf. And the Germans almost slaughter them with with their rifles. You know, it's rifles versus spears and bows and arrows and swords. And, you know, these Amazons are going down with one bullet. And I just had a hard time with that. It seems to me like if you are a warrior race created by Zeus himself, that you should be a little bit more sturdy. You should be able to take a bullet or two and keep on fighting. You know, I, I didn't feel like any of the any of the wounds that the that the Amazons would have been, been inflicted with should have been, you know, life ending. They may have incapacitated them, injured them, you know, put them out of fighting form for a while, but I, I don't think they should have been killed. They should have ultimately slaughtered those German soldiers. In the end, they did win, but at, at, at a high price with heavy casualties. I, I had a problem with that. The, the other problem that I had with this movie is that it almost felt like two stories that were just kind of jammed together. You had the story of Princess Diana trying to stop World War One and this kind of underground, behind-the-scenes, uh, small five-member ragtag band, you know, four guys following, following her into battle to stop the war, which was, that was actually really great. Um, but then you get to the final conflict, and it's a conflict between Wonder Woman and Ares, the god of war. And all of a sudden, it becomes this cataclysmic battle between two gods. And that brings me to the third, maybe fourth problem I had with this movie. Fourth problem is that the DC Universe characters are so overly powerful that for me, they're impossible to relate to. I just found nothing relatable in Princess Diana. There was, I, I didn't find her to be a likable character. Her powers were so off the scale that, I, you know, I didn't feel like there was a viable threat to her. And 
there was no drama in this movie because you know that it's set in World War One, and she's going to survive to later team up with Batman and Superman to defeat Doomsday and to form the Justice League in the present, in, in the modern era. So there was no sense of drama or potential loss. Um, so, you know, this these godlike beings in the DC universe, I just have a real problem relating to. Now, in the Marvel universe, we have gods and and heroes with you know enormous power but they're 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 muted they're scaled down in in the marvel comics universe in the marvel cinematic universe thor is not the same all-powerful character he is in the comics in the comics thor is on the same level as superman but in the mcu movies you know, he's he's more like the Christopher, not the Christopher Reeves Superman, but the George Reeves Superman. You know, he's he's real. He feels relatable. He's got weaknesses. And that's one of the things that really endears me and I think a lot of fans around the world to the Marvel Universe characters. You know, Captain America, he's this skinny kid from the Bronx who becomes a super soldier, the pinnacle of human achievement. But at the end of the day, he's still just a skinny kid from Brooklyn. And his transformation from zero to hero really represents the desire of every American male. You know, we all believe that with the right circumstances, we could be Captain America too. Tony Stark, he's an egomaniac, a narcissist with a drinking problem. Yes, he's a multi-billionaire uh, genius, but you take away that suit of armor and what is he? He's a flawed human being. Uh, you know, Natasha, the Black Widow, she's flawed. She, she, her loyalties are in question all the time. Um, she tries to do the right thing, but often she does the wrong thing, but for the right reason. You know, Bruce Banner, he's, he's got the Hulk inside of him. He's the Dr. Jekyll dilemma, the, the, the out of control rage monster, even Spider-Man. Peter Parker is this loser. He's the nerd. He's the geek who's picked on and tortured and bullied, and even after he becomes Spider-Man, he's still a geek and a nerd, and he's still made fun of and picked on, and he still can't catch a break. He, you know, he he he's constantly running late and in having problems with his girlfriends, problems at work. He can't make his rent. He is a flawed character. In the DC universe, you got none of that. You got Batman, who is the pinnacle of human conditioning because he worked hard and he's a billionaire industrialist. He's Captain America and Tony Stark combined without, without the alcohol. And the only weakness he has is, well, quite honestly, I, I don't know that he has a weakness other than taking away his, his gadgets and his knowledge. 
And that's a problem. He has no weaknesses. You got Superman, who is basically Zeus, a god from another planet who is superior to all of humanity and has no weaknesses except for kryptonite, which is extremely rare. And as you'll see in the Justice League movie, he can't even be killed. Then you got Wonder Woman, who, again, is a god. And this movie reveals that. She is a, a god. She's got the power of Zeus and Ares and the Pantheon. And she has no weaknesses. She's obviously also immortal because she was formed out of the clay and given life by Zeus. Aquaman. Here you got a guy, again, nearly immortal, at least extremely long-lived. He's as strong as Superman. He's fast. You know, he can travel underwater at unimaginable speed. So he's got super speed, super strength, super endurability, uh, near invulnerability. He's got the powers of telepathy, and he can control water. And what are his weaknesses? Well, because he's not fully Atlantean, he can be out of the water. He, he doesn't have to be in the water. So he virtually has no weaknesses. And it goes on and on in the DC universe. And that's ultimately a problem that I think they have is that their characters are completely unrelatable to average normal day people. And that's why the Marvel films are so wildly successful because we can see ourselves in those characters where we can't see ourselves in the place of Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Green Lantern, The Flash, etc. So um, those are some big problems I have. The last problem that I had with the movie is the same problem I had with Man of Steel, same problem I had with Batman versus Superman, and that is... Several of the fight sequences are so obviously CGI. They look like they are cut scenes from a video game, like they were created when they were making Injustice 2. And to me, it's very painfully obvious, and it just bothers me. It, it really bothers me. The action scenes are so over the top, and, you know, the... the Use of powers, weapons are so precise and so perfect and so, you know, non-random that it just, for me, it, it takes away my suspension of disbelief. And so from that aspect, you know, I, I feel like there's a, a huge problem there with the DC Marvel or the DC Universe movies. Now, all of that having been said... I feel that those are legitimate critiques. However, this movie is by far the best. It felt like a mashup of Joe Johnson's Captain America, the first Avenger. Very similar feel in the combat scenes, the World War II uh, or World War I setting, but very similar in feeling to uh, Cap's battles against Hydra. Um but it felt like a mashup of Captain America, First Avenger, and uh, Harry Potter with the you know final battle of Diana and Ares. Or, or maybe better analogy is, is Percy Jackson. But, you know, you have this cataclysmic battle, this 
apocalyptic battle. And um, it, it inches closer to the Marvel films in style and pacing, but still not quite there. Um, it, it, it definitely is the best of the DC movies, by hands down. Um, one last issue that I had with the movie, you know, we were supposed to find out why Diana had been absent from the world since the end of World War One, because you remember in Batman versus Superman, she appears from out of nowhere. Uh, Batman has, you know, discovered that um, she's been in hiding or missing since World War One. And I was hoping this movie would tell us where she's been and why, and it doesn't. So, spoiler alert there. Uh, one of the standouts worth mentioning is that Eva Green is in this movie as Dr. Poison, one of the Nazi, not Nazi, but German villains. And uh, I love Eva Green, and uh, she's not hardly recognizable in this role, but... Uh, I was happy to see her in the film. And um, if you don't know Eva Green, Miss Peregrine, or uh, Vanessa from Penny Dreadful, uh, great actress and um, a lot of fun to see her. So I'm going to say this. Go see the movie. Do go see it. Uh, we need you to support more support this movie so that they'll make more like it. We want to see more diesel punk, more deco era, jazz age adventure films. I would like to see a new Indiana Jones film. I would like to see the sequel to The Phantom that Billy Zane is working on. But the only way we're going to get those movies is if you guys go to the theater, you spend your bucks, you spend your greenbacks, lay it down for a ticket, and support this movie. You will have a good time. It is a very good movie. Just for my money, it's not great. Um, if you want to see a great movie, go see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, one of the best movies I've seen in the last year. Go see Kubo and the Two Strings or rent it. Uh, buy it on Blu-ray, the best movie I've seen in the last year. But this movie is a good movie. You are going to have a good time. It's a great popcorn movie. Go enjoy it. Uh, cheer at the appropriate places. But just know that uh, it does have its shortcomings. I would like to hear your thoughts about that. If uh, if you want to send us an email, you can send it to feedback at dieselpunkpodcast.com or directly to me, Big Daddy Cool at bigdaddycoolshows.com. Let me know what you think about Wonder Woman after you've seen it or if you've seen a sneak preview as well. I'd like to know if you agree, disagree. Uh, maybe you're particular point of view you can like us on facebook diesel punk podcast and follow us on twitter at diesel podcast and that will be a lot of fun make sure you visit our sponsor comic bento at mycomicbento.com and don't forget my book tales from the flip side it's a diesel punk pulp adventure story featuring vampire Nazis, superpowered showgirls, and time-traveling gangsters. It's my autobiography. I wrote it. Now, I've never read it myself, but people say it's great. Available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, on Audible, 
And you can get a free copy if you go to audibletrial.com slash dieselpoweredpodcast. That, uh, that's our promo code, and you can take any audiobook from Audible as a gift just for checking them out. Why not make it my book, Tales from the Flip Side? But uh, you can get that wherever books are sold. And when you buy Tales from the Flip Side, of course, you you put money in my pocket and you help feed my children. Hey, Big Daddy's got mouths to feed. Can you dig that? I knew that you could. <laughs> All right, guys and gals. Well, that is it for this week and for this episode of Big Daddy Cool's Tales from the Flip Side on the Diesel Punk Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, dude, did, did, that's a combination of do and did, dude. If you did, tell two, three hundred of your closest friends and family to come share the fun and check it out. And until the next time, swing hard, swing often. We'll catch you on the flip side.